Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We like to be in control, right? Come on, let's be honest. Is it not our unknown future that we have no control over that worries us the most? Isn't that what worry does? Doesn't worry take us as far into the future as it needs to in order to get us so anxious about what we do not know and what we cannot control. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. A spirit of fear and anxiety is not anything that God desires for us. Instead, the Lord gives us a spirit of love and of a sound mind. Pastor J.D. teaches from the book of Philippians today that through faith and prayer, the Lord will provide peace during troubled times. All you need to do is surrender your worries to Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanking God for anything. See, what happens when you do that, then this peace comes upon you and not only keeps your mind and heart at peace, but It's actually more than that. It's a guard that is set up around you. I picture this guard around my heart and my mind because that's what Paul is saying is that this peace will guard. So you've got this, I don't know what your guards look like, but mine are, you don't want to mess these dudes, okay? But that's really what God will do is He'll set up this guard, this regiment, if you will, around our hearts and our minds to keep us in perfect peace. And it's even more interesting than that because it's almost like it has to go over our head. I'll explain what I mean by that. It transcends, it surpasses, if you will, bypasses our understanding. That's the kind of peace that will guard our hearts and our minds. In other words, everything around us can contradict the peace of God, the peace that Jesus said, I come to give, not as the world gives. See, the peace that the world has to offer is contingent on, predicated upon everything around you being okay. Listen, If I only had peace in my life when things were going good, I would have peace about four seconds every day. (laughs) And that's it. And of course, when I'm sleeping, because I don't know any better. That's not the peace that Jesus offers. That's not the peace that Paul here is talking about. This is the peace that goes over your head, bypasses, surpasses your understanding, and goes right to the heart, settles you, anchors you, even though you don't understand. Is this not that famous passage in the Proverbs that we memorize and sing Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, submit to Him, call upon Him, cry out to Him, cast your cares on Him. In all your ways, all your cares, all your anxieties, all your issues, both great and small, submit them to Him. See it like this, you're you're submitting your petition, a list. I I submit this like you submit an application. I'm submitting this to you. And you know what the promise is? He will make your path straight. Some translations render it, He will direct your paths. I think that's not really capturing the entirety of what the promise is here in the Proverbs. It's more like this. He'll straighten it out. He'll make your path straight. But again, like Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it's similar in the sense that it's a conditional promise, and it's predicated upon three prerequisites. They are, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, an acknowledging Him in all of your ways, a trusting in Him with all of your heart, and leaning not unto your own understanding. Then if those three are in place, then here's what He's going to place in your heart. He's going to place this peace, and He'll straighten it out. I'll take care of it. I've submitted it to Him. Don't take it back. You know how we do that, right? We pray, and oh God, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And then, I give it to you, Lord. And then we take it back and we start worrying about it again. And, and then we have to give it back. Okay, Lord, here, just take it. And then five minutes go by. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I took it back again. And I keep thinking about it and, and worrying about it. And God's like, would you just submit it to me and get out of here? Okay. Stay out of my way so I can have my way. I will direct your way. I will straighten this mess that you're in out as only I can. And yes, it is a mess. And there never dawn on you that sometimes things get so messed up, if for no other reason other than we will bring it to the Lord. And here we're over here going, Lord, this is impossible. And I almost picture the Lord saying, well, it's about time. It's impossible, huh? Because see, when it was possible for you, it was hands off to me. See, I'm the God of the impossible, but until you come to that place where you realize that the situation is impossible for you, you're not going to bring it to me. You're still trying to do it yourself. You're still leaning on your own understanding. You're still trusting in your own heart, your own strength. <laughs> Listen, I... I'll just wait here. I don't know how long it's going to take. For some of us, it takes longer. (laughs) But when you're ready, when you're finally at the end of yourself, and you throw up your hands and you go, Lord, I don't understand. Good. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Good. I do. Lord, this is is so messed up. I know. Can I do it now? Why don't you just bring it to me? Why don't you just surrender it to me? Relinquish control. You know, there's something about our sin nature that 
demands that we be in control. We like to be in control, right? Come on, let's be honest. Is it not our unknown future that we have no control over that worries us the most? Isn't that what worry does? Doesn't worry take us as far into the future as it needs to in order to get us so anxious about what we do not know and what we cannot control. There's something else here that is going to be germane to our understanding as it relates to this transcending peace of mind. The word that Paul uses in the original language for anxious actually comes from two Greek words that are put together. The first part of the word means torn, separated, divided, and the second part of the word is the word mind. So in other words, the word anxious means torn mind, separated, divided mind. No peace of mind, you've got a tormented mind. In other words, to be anxious or worried is literally to have a divided mind, a torn mind, or if you prefer to be double-minded. Double-minded, as James says in chapter 1. I'll read verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, listen, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Interesting imagery here. You're, you're torn back and forth. You're going back and forth. I don't know. What, what, how you, you know, there's doubts, there's fears, there's worries, there's anxieties, and you, and you keep going back and forth. You're like this ship being tossed to and fro at sea, unstable, double-minded, back and forth. You'll forgive the personal reference again, but you have to understand, I... I'm a professional when it comes to worry. I have a PhD in worry. I just want you to know that in Jesus' name. <laughs> but one of the hard lessons that I'm learning, I'm still learning it, about my own worry is that it accomplishes absolutely nothing. We're going to look at Matthew 6 where Jesus says, Who of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature. In other words, <laughs> do you think that you can accomplish anything when you worry? I like how one said it. Worry is like a rocking chair. You just keep going back and forth, but you don't get anywhere. And is that not an apt description? of us when we worry, we're back and forth. What are we going to do? I don't know what to do. This is bad. This is really bad. This is really, really bad. Not only does worrying not get you anywhere, most of what we worry about 
never actually happens. I'll never forget, 1995, I kept my prayer journal and I had this list. And at the end of the year, I was in business at the time, and I closed out all my books and I I was going back over the year in review, and I put together a paper (laughs) to remind me. I had 95 things I worried about in 1995. That was actually a reduced list. It could have been a lot more, but I kept it because it's clever, right? 95 things I worried about in 1995. Do you know how many of those things, all 95 of them, actually happened? Zero. Zero. I'm, I can't sleep at night worrying myself sick over number 34 and it never happened. I felt kind of cheated. It's kind of like all that worry that I invested in that thing and it didn't happen. Are you kidding me? As you can see, God still has a lot of work to do in me, but (laughs) I mean, not one of those 95 things even happened. (laughs) There was an interesting study done by a Dr. Joseph Goway. I love that last name, especially in the context of worry. Goway. Goway. (laughs) Well, that's his name, Dr. Joseph Goway. He looked into how many of our imagined calamities never materialize. In the study, subjects were asked to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes did not actually happen. It turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. 85%. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means, this was the conclusion, that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. Now even as I say that, some of you warriors out there, and you know who you are, men and women after my own heart, (laughs) you're not very comfortable with this 97%. Because in your mind, you're thinking, there's still 3%. (laughs) Come on, can we talk? (laughs) Right? You also are not very comfortable with Matthew 6.34, which, Lord willing, again, we'll look at next week. Jesus says this, Do not worry about tomorrow, for sufficient are the worries therein when tomorrow comes. Okay, I like the first part, so don't worry about tomorrow. Okay, I'm good. Why did you have to say that tomorrow's going to bring another set of worries? Because now all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, I I won't worry, but you just told me that tomorrow's going to bring another set of worries, and now I'm worried about tomorrow. I know I might run the risk of giving Satan more credit than he deserves when I say this, but a spirit of fear and anxiety is exactly what Satan wants when he plants those seeds in our minds. See, he wants to divide our minds. He wants to tear us in 
different directions so he can torment and torture us. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, not a double mind, not a divided mind, not a tortured or torn mind. How? Oh, faith. Faith is the antithesis of fear. As one so aptly put it, if you don't live with an anchor of faith, you're going to drift in a sea of anxiety, and you're just going to be tossed to and fro, back and forth. Unstable, double-minded, torn mind, separated mind, worried mind, tortured mind. Here's the question. How do we replace fear with faith? It's possible. How? Romans 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Stay with me. Please don't miss this. It's when God hears from us in prayer, and we in turn hear from Him in His Word. Fear, worry, replaced by faith. The antithesis of fear. Prayer is more of a dialogue than it is a monologue, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Prayer is very simply talking to God. That's all prayer is. And I, we've talked about this before. We've complicated prayer. And I think the enemy has really launched a campaign of complication when it comes to prayer, because if you can so complicate prayer, you're going to keep that Christian out of prayer. And Satan wins again, because that's his goal, because he knows it's the deciding factor. If all of a sudden now prayer's this complicated, our Father which art in heaven, that was just a model, by the way, to teach us to pray. But prayer is, well, let me just explain it this way. Peter, when he's walking on water, takes his eyes off the Lord, starts sinking. He prays a three-word prayer. Very simple. Lord, save me. Can you imagine Jesus going, come on, Peter. I taught you how to pray. That's not how you pray. You need to enter into my course. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. You know, the sea that you're about to drown in. Here's Peter. I don't have time for the whole our Father which art in heaven. Lord, aren't you glad God answers three word prayers? Aren't you glad God answers no word prayers? How about liquid prayers? When there are no words, you're just weeping, moaning, groaning, crying out to Him. He answers those prayers. But when we pray, when we call, 
upon him, cry out to him. We shouldn't be doing all the talking. You'll forgive the silliness with which I illustrate this, but we'll, I'll just close with this, okay? So, you know, the best illustration I ever heard of was that of a phone. I used to use this, but that was back in the, remember the rotary phone? You young people, don't worry, we'll be right back with you. But So now I have to, to illustrate, I have to use the whole cell phone thing, right? So the microphone is prayer, and the earphone is the Word of God speaking back to us. It's a dialogue. So when I pray, it's not, Lord, please, Lord, this, Lord, that, Lord, 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 please, Lord. Could you imagine if I came up and I, or I called you, and I just, it was a whole monologue. It was, hi, this is Pastor J.D., how you doing? Uh, Bob, if you're named Bob here, we love you, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Good to see you, Bob. I just want to know about Bob. Hey, okay, amen. Here's Bob going, hello. I want to say something. Sometimes I think that's how God must feel. So we pray, we talk to him. He talks back to us. He speaks to us, chiefly through His Word. And that's where faith comes, and when faith comes, it pushes out fear. Faith and fear cannot coexist. I want to close with Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid... I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His Word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Did you just catch that? Think of it this way. When I'm afraid, David says, I'm going to trust the Lord, because when I trust the Lord and His Word, then I won't be afraid. What happened? Oh, see, I was afraid, but I put my trust in Him and His Word, the Word I heard, and that brought faith, and now no longer am I afraid or anxious or worried or concerned. That's what changed. When I'm worried, when I'm anxious, put my trust in Him. Call upon Him. Pray to Him. And then He will talk back. And that's where the faith comes. And that's when the fear and the anxiety has to leave. That's how it works. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Philippians on your own. Spend time today in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal something new about your Savior as you read. The Bible is filled with promises and lessons that apply to you right now, even though it was written long ago. You'll always benefit from time spent in Scripture. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Philippians 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to make this a priority. 
A church family can be a source of support and encouragement, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 